Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. personally, and for this podcast. Hi, welcome to Nothing Confidential. Welcome back. If you've been here before, I love you. Thank you. You guys, today is a full circle moment because today my guests, I have, I have two, two guests, and these women are, I mean, basically the reason why this podcast exists today They have utilized their podcast platform to create a phenomenal community and an even more important and impactful movement. And it's incredibly inspiring. I just, I can't wait to share them with you. They started their podcast, the Almost 30 podcast, which you guys have heard me talk about numerous times. But they started it in the floor of Lindsay's Closet. That's right. My guests are the creators and hosts of Almost 30, Krista Williams and Lindsay Simzik. And if this is the first time you guys have ever heard of the podcast, you're going to want to go look it up right now. But basically, Almost 30 brings listeners together online and offline to relate, connect, and support each other through transitions. The podcast delves into themes such as wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, self-development, and so much more. Krista and Lindsay are known for creating real, raw, and hilarious moments during their weekly interviews with fascinating guests. In each episode, they provide their listeners with actionable aha moments and highly relatable stories. And with over 12 million downloads, did you hear that? 12 million. The podcast has reached people in more than 150 countries. It's ridiculous. Um, they also have done a shit ton of incredible brand collaborations with people like Nicole Miller, Tori Birch, Kapari, Hum Nutrition, and they're just endlessly magical. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a little bit um, of of each one of them, though. So Krista. I love this. This is straight off their website, y'all, because it said it the best. They put a lot of thought into this, and I just thought you guys should hear it. Krista is a Pisces, an alien lover, and a projector. She is a social media influencer and the creative editor of the 100 blog. 100 stands for Keep It 100, which is her life motto. She has been featured in Women's Health, Self Magazine, Refinery29, and various other outlets. She partners closely with thoughtful, cutting-edge brands, including Airbnb, Adidas, Free People, and Starwood Hotel Group to share her honest perspective. On top of that, Krista is maybe one of the coolest cats I know. Like, she constantly says shit that, like, 
it's so cool that I don't even know what it means. I will never forget the day she was like, you know, I just love the cut of her jib. And then she just kept going. And I was just sitting there stunned with my mouth open. And I was like, why am I not cool enough to know what the cut of her jib even means? Like, Krista is a damn queen and she's hilarious. And I just love her so much. Yes, honey. And then Lindsay, my gal Lindsay, fun story. Lindsay, so I've, I've met both of them in person now, finally. But Lindsay, I met first years and years ago when the podcast, their podcast had just started. I literally tracked her down by going to her soul cycle class in LA when I was out there for work. We had a sweaty hug, we connected, and it was the first of many magical moments. And Lindsay is a Virgo, a plant lover, and a manifest generator. Uh, these are human design, by the way, guys. The uh, projector, manifest generator, manifestors. We'll, I'm going to have someone on the show sometime, and we'll go into human design because it's really fucking cool. Anyways, Lindsay is currently based in L.A., and her boldest job description in life is creator. Whether she is writing, singing, or bringing characters like Just Alicia to life, she is redefining success by the day. She uses her hustle to make waves in and out of her Santa Monica office. She loves plants, singing, and slow mornings. Lindsay is also freaking hilarious. So um, Just Alicia, you guys just need to go find her on Instagram and, and watch that magic for yourself. I'm not even going to try and describe that to you. Um, but she is just incredibly warm and thoughtful and is exceptional at deep listening. Like she is a busy woman and anytime I've ever interacted with her, just the space that she held and the way that she was so present, it was just super, um, it's just a freaking golden quality to have in a friend and in a human being. So I could not say an enough about these two women. They both impacted me just, you know, directly and indirectly over the years and I'm just so grateful that they said yes to come on to my podcast. And we're not talking about their podcast. That's why I'm sharing all of this in the front end. Because in keeping with our usual focus, we're going to talk about sex today. And the reason I thought they would be such phenomenal guests is because as the hosts of such a monumental podcast, they have had the unique opportunity to sit down with some of the most important and respected thought leaders in the sexual health, intimacy, um, body work, like fields in the whole world. And so I thought that they would be able to offer really interesting perspective on top of just sharing their own personal evolution. We, a good bit of this is just like solid girl talk. We just get into it and I love how raw and vulnerable they are. I mean, they did not disappoint, and I really loved everything about our time together. Now, I am going to be completely honest and tell you that, like, for the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, I was, like, I was struggling to keep my shit together because I was just so excited to have them in front of me and to be having this conversation. <laughs> We've connected at different points over the years, but just to have them all to myself and be able to ask them whatever I wanted... I just, I felt a little flustered and I felt like it took me a second to find my groove and it, it totally paid off though. So it's a long episode. I left pretty much everything in here because I felt like once we really got into it, it was a hundred percent worth it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It might be a little more rambly, uh, in certain parts than others because of how just like 
maybe starstruck I was a little bit. Um, I was trying to think if there was any other notes you guys needed before going in. Uh, oh, there is one. At one point, I made a very sweeping generalization about how if you had a Brooklyn accent, um, you probably weren't going to elicit like sexual attraction in somebody. And I realized after I said it that it was very harsh and I don't have anything against Brooklyn or its beautiful inhabitants. And, you know, I'm just going to leave that there. I can't really back out of that. I don't personally find Brooklyn accents super hot, but that's just me being a jerk. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there hearing my voice right now and they're like, yuck, Kristen's voice doesn't do it for me. So I just, I have to be honest, I had to float that out there. I take responsibility for saying that and I realized that it wasn't necessarily kind and hopefully we can move on together. Understanding that everyone has a freaking opinion and mine should have no bearing on yours. Uh, what else? What else can I say? I don't want to say too much. This is like, I think everything is in here. Maybe a technical note. This was the first time recording with two people at once and they were using, they were sharing a mic. And in the very beginning, I feel like it was kind of hard to hear them. But then we found our groove and we got better at like leaving space so that when each person was speaking, like we could, we could really hear them. So I don't know. I just, you guys know, I keep you up to date on like the behind the scenes all the time. This was just new for me in a lot of ways. So I, yeah, it's a little messy and it's perfectly imperfect and I love it and I love them. And I'm so grateful that they spent so much time with me and that they, I mean, they really put it out there. That was my pen that I just threw in the floor. They really put it out there for you guys. So dig in, enjoy and tag them. I'm going to put all, I'm going to put everything, everything into the show notes. And you're obviously going to want to know everything about them. Go to almost 30 podcast and listen, go back to the very beginning. They have a hilarious intro that some guy on Fiverr made for them. Like just like witness the whole evolution and you get to hear their story and where they started. And it's just, it's the fucking best you guys. Okay. So do yourself a favor and go and check that out. They literally have interviewed everyone, and I do mean everyone. So don't miss it. And I love y'all, and I can't wait to get this in your ears. So I'm going to stop talking now. Okay, bye. I am so jazzed. Krista and Lindsay that you're here. I went back and listened to some early episodes just to like refresh, to refresh on the journey that we've made together. I really do feel like I've been a part of it. And I just love, love those days of your guy intros, like Krista and Lindsay, it's almost 30. Is it almost 30? Like that that, that guy was, was five dollars awesome. on Fiverr. That was literally a five dollar intro of a man that we didn't uh-huh. know on Fiverr. Oh my god, it was and awesome! And to ask, is it almost? Is 30? it almost thirty? <laughs> and I was like, I had a copyright song. We had a copyright. Yeah, no, this kind of hope. Oh my, oh my god. god. Ray.
I kind of hope that like the almost 30, like if you guys ever have a talk show, like I really need that sound clip to like come back. It's like whenever, yeah, is it almost 30? Um, I also took the liberty of just like writing down a few of my favorite early quotes from you guys. And I didn't even like attribute them specifically. Um, one of them was when Halo Top was your beauty secret. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, I know it was amazing. It was, but I'm just like, we're thinking this whole episode is going to be around evolution. And I'm just like, this is where we started. And then, you know, they'll very quickly get a good sense of where we've ended up. But, um, a favorite of Krista's, which I think you've said this more than once. I just want to be a bitch today. I mean, that's the damn truth. My whole life. I just want to be as bitchy as oh my, God. my soul is. My equivalent of that is I just want to eat cake and tell people what I really think. Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. the damn truth. That's a mood. That's a mood. Um, it's making life harder that I'm choosing to be more educated now. <laughs> I mean, that is also true. On, that's mm-hmm. on my grade. Also true. Honestly, I sometimes, it's like the ignorance Ign- is bliss. Yeah, literally. literally. Oh. The more you know, the more you don't. Yeah. And then PSA, check your vagina for condoms and for tampons since Mm -hmm. one got left in for like 19 days one time. Let me tell you, I still do it. (laughs) Still, you're like, I'm scarred for life. Sober most of the time. You know what I'm saying? Like back then it was, I would be drunk and forgot. forget. I use a disc now. Yeah. And a couple months ago, I had two discs in my vagina. Oh, I was like, wow. how did I forget? It's a lot. La- it's just a labyrinth. Literally, yeah. like it, just, it gets stuck up there. I don't know. But I, well, am I the only one? Tampon? Huh? I mean, I don't think so. I don't think you're the only one. I do. That does make me feel like though we should have probably like a chart of like female anatomy on the wall so that we kind of just like know like where things are so that if you were going oh. in on a retrieval, like, you know, search and rescue mission, you kind of know where you're going. Like, I think that yeah, would but be I helpful. couldn't even get it myself. You had, had, yeah, you had to go get your gyno, get it out, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would honestly have a stranger do it before the gyno. Really? I'm like so doctor reverse. I literally would never go to the guy. <laughs> she looks straight, me, like a fiber, like, like a guy from fiber, maybe. Like a fiber. Yeah. I would yeah, honestly okay. pay a fiber, fiber. guy $5. You're like, I will give you five bucks to come retrieve my no, diva cup. Is this a tampon? <laughs> oh man. Thanks for bringing it back. I mean, honestly. Of course. So well, oh my God. I just, I love it. I love it so much. And I don't even remember, like I was trying to remember because one of my favorite things to do is tell people how I came to know whoever I'm talking to. And I, I feel like I read, maybe it was like one of your early, an article cited you guys as like one of the top five ways to like kill time or something awesome like that. And I like went down the list and clicked on everything to see if any of them resonated with me. And almost 30 popped up. And because of the very appropriate and concise name, kind of knew what I was getting into. And I was, you know, 25 or 23 or whatever age I was at that time. And I was like, oh, that's appropriate. I'm also on the way to 30. This should be good. And it was. It was like the best decision ever. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you. My God. It was so good. And also, this is like a testament that if you stalk anyone long enough, you can become friends with them in real life. You just have to walk that fine line between like admiration and creepy. Like that's really yeah, the key, sure. really the key. <laughs> oh, we love you. Thank you so much. Thank I mean, you. when people listen from the beginning and they've been on that journey, it's like the truth. Yeah. Because that was a wild ride. Oh, gee. Yeah. 
Well, it just, it also feels like, I know people probably say this literally all the time, but it feels like we grew up together just because very much, I mean, that's the reason why your community has grown so much and why it's been so profound and why this podcast started out as the two of you, like in the floor, in the closet, and it has turned into this huge, you know, lifestyle brand, this very impactful movement. You guys have created a movement together. And I know I haven't uh, said anything about it so far, but for you guys listening who have no clue what's going on yet, almost 30, if you've listened to me for any period of time, you have heard about this podcast. And if you haven't, now is your chance to go and look it up right now and listen to it. It is incredible. Um, Also, I am not going to have you guys give your like back back stories about like the podcast and all of that because they do a really awesome job chronicling all of that over time on their podcast. So I just encourage you to go like dig through the almost 30 episodes to find that stuff because we're talking about sex y'all. That's what we do on this show. So we're, we're going to be talking about sex, baby. But I just, I think that that feeling like we grew up together. That's really like the power in the collective of, you know, what you guys have going on. It's everybody is a similar age and we're going through similar shit and nobody, you know, no one really knows what's going on. And you guys did a really awesome job of not positioning yourselves. And I know you've talked about this, but not positioning yourselves as experts, but more like those friends who are willing to go out and like try the weird thing or ask the question and, you know, kind of do it in service of us all, you know? And I think that is really appreciated by, you know, me and everyone else who listens to the show. I think that means (laughs) a lot. Of course. Yeah. It's so important for the community, you know, to know that like, we're not a leader, we're not a group, like leaders in our own right, but we're not gurus and we're just learning right along with you. And so you know, when we have the conversations, we're asking the questions that we hope that everyone wants to hear answers to as well. So I'm glad that you noticed that. Well, it's like Marie Forleo, like we're the guide from the side, not the sage from the stage kind of thing. Although you guys have, you have become, I mean, let's be real though. You guys have evolved into really important and dynamic leaders. And so I do want to acknowledge you for that. I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but like just in the space of, you know, receiving and, and, saying, I just bringing light to what you are doing in the world. It is really, really important. So we'll do that. And then I'll stop gushing and we'll go on to like, (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right. So obviously nothing confidential. We are here to normalize conversations around specifically female sexuality, but it has, it has slowly branched. It kind of goes wherever the fuck it wants. So, you know, it's just, we're branching out, talking about things that don't get talked about enough or things that are commonly shrouded in shame or stigma or just really fucking uncomfortable. And I thought it was really important to have you guys on the show because as I was saying before I hit record, you guys have a really unique perspective on sexuality and on pleasure and on your relationship to your bodies and to femininity and your divine feminine and all of that because of the interviews that you guys have done on your show as you guys have gotten, you know, huge and had a a, very large reach over the last couple of years, you have had some of the top sexuality experts in the world on your show. And so I definitely want to drill down into that more later, pun totally intended. But to start, I kind of want to know a little background, like 
David Copperfield day one, I was born. Like, where were you guys sexuality wise, as far as how you were brought up? Like, were you raised where it was something that was like kind of comfortable and you talked about it or was it something that was shameful? We don't talk about it. Like take us back to where you guys started. I um, grew up in a small town in Ohio. So um, Ohio is very conservative. It's very Catholic. It's very white. And so I grew up with an understanding of like more shame around it. Um, and, you know, I really still work with that today. And it's not like I'm like totally shameful, but I catch myself even now just like blushing. I'm like, oh my God, like, oh, you know, even just like that immature, like little girl feeling where I'm like, oh my God, we're talking about sex. So I still have that even today when we have people on the podcast. Um, but I, started having sex pretty young. I was like always um, dating guys or kind of in that world. So I really had an unhealthy relationship with it at first. I really used it as like a tool to um, feel loved and feel accepted and, and sort of to express myself, you know, and feel validated. And then, you know, as I got older, I really, really was much more sacred about it and much more intentional about it after some things that happened when, you know, I was in high school. And so now I'm just super intentional about it. You know, I only have slept with people that I really trust or I really um, feel connected to. And um, it's just super special. And, you know, once you're in a relationship for a really long time, it feels much more spiritual and it feels much more like a energetic maintenance for one another and like that ability to connect. And, you know, if we haven't had sex for like a week or something, it feels like I'm a little more tense or I'm just like, oh, why am I like a little more annoyed? And so it's really important for us to connect in that way. But, you know, through the podcast and just growing up, I've really had to shift my mentality around sex and just be so much more open and so much more um, kind to people in their journey, you know, as they evolve. Um, and I also grew up in a small town. Um, and I just remember like the idea of sex or sexuality as like MTV spring break. Like I wasn't allowed to watch any of it. Right. But I really wanted to, like, I was very curious. Um, and I couldn't articulate it then, but it's just like this freedom of expression that I was like, Oh, like I want more of that. Like, why aren't we talking about this? Um, my, I never got like the sex talk. Yeah. I got like a period talk kind of. And then, um, when I was 18, when I had sex for the first time and somehow my sisters found out and then told my mom oh, and my mom was like so upset. And that's like kind of when I got the, okay, so like you're going to go on birth control, like it's okay, but just, I want you to tell me these things, but there was never like this conversation it was just kind of like one-sided and i didn't have the language to express myself around it um so that that was like a theme for a while where i just didn't have the language around like wow like sex and and connecting with someone physically like that and with myself like that actually felt like expression to me you know it didn't i don't know yeah but society makes you think like if you're having it young or you're having it like randomly with people that it's bad. So I just thought that for a really long time. Um, and I kind of like rebelled against that and 
when I wasn't in relationships, I was like finding a lot of validation and just sleeping with a lot of people. Um, and then only in the last like few years have I really like been more intentional where I don't shame myself if I would have a one night stand, but I just like John Wineland was on our podcast and he said something to us that I will always remember. It's like, don't let someone in literally until like they feel you and see you, you know, like there is just like this connection that you can have with someone. It could happen on the first night, but until that happens, like, don't let them inside of you. <laughs> yeah, you said yeah. that they're like energetically imprinted in you for like seven years yeah, or like, something. Oh, yeah. I was yeah, like, I have crazy. one of those. Yeah. So it's been a ride. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like everybody. <laughs> I mean, we'll you feel like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're like jk jk not doing that um sounds like everybody needs you know a crystal wand not only for like masturbation purposes but to like you know break emotional soul ties and whatnot um but i think a john wyland is life um he is so incredible i'm not gonna lie i think i heard him for the first time on your podcast and then i went and like listened to every episode he's ever done anywhere ever and for a while i just couldn't like a testament to his work is that every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, yeah, that would work on me. That would definitely work on me. You know, like, like he'll start talking and like the feminist in me is like, why is he telling people how to like deal with women? Like that gets on my nerve. And then he'll say something and I'm like, fuck. That would absolutely like it's working on me in the end. Right now. I'm like, I kind of want you, John, to like take me down to downtown right now. But his energy. It's not, you know, it doesn't feel like patronizing. It doesn't feel, you know, like um, mansplaining. It's yeah. so, it's so responsible and mm -hmm. it's just like, it's just the best. It is. It totally is. And he is, he is someone um, that eventually I would love to, I, I haven't had very many guys on the show and uh, because I want to be very, it's a very safe space for women specifically. That's why I started it. And so I always want it to feel safe, even with the guests. Like I would never expose them to somebody who didn't, you know, yeah. kind of represent that to me. But I just feel like John is so incredibly safe and the work he does is so sacred and so meaningful. And he's impacted my husband and I's relationship a lot. Like I had my husband read The Way of the Superior Man after he suggested that, like for the first time. And I read Dear Lover and, you know, that that was a huge, again, talking about what you were saying, Lindsay, with just the language, like we're not to have the language for so many of these conversations. And so when you're exposed to something like that, you suddenly have this whole new vocabulary that you're able to use in your relationship or relationships. And I think that's just so incredibly valuable. So that's why, you know, exposure is so important. And obviously there's a way to go about that, but when you never are exposed to anything, it's like, how are you supposed to learn? And I think a lot of that, you know, when I'm speaking with people my own age, the backstory, it, the details vary, but they're similar across the board. And it's a generational thing. It's because there was so much shame around, you know, the subject. Our parents did the best that they could do, you know, given what they had, which was less than what we got and on yeah. it goes, you know? And so I think for me, that was something where I, I mean, by the time I was nine, I mean, like I, I started, my sexuality was there like day one and my mom was terrified of it. Like, and everybody in our church was terrified of it. Grew up in the South in the Bible belt. And so like very quickly, like people were, they're, they're quick to like point out that there is like something about you, even when you don't know what that means. 
and project stories onto you about, you know, what those things are. And so I think that always made me, I had the same kind of reaction as you did, Lindsay, where it was more of a rebellious thing where like I very quickly locked onto the fact that it didn't feel right to me. I was like, none of this feels right. Like I hear what you're saying, but I feel like something's being kept for me. Like I don't feel like I'm getting the whole story. And so I was very much like, I'm going to like break out of here and run away and like find out what's true about all of these things. And so my exploration started, I mean, I didn't have sex for the first time until I was 19. So I made it a good ways, you know, considering how everyone had tagged me as like the Jezebel of Salisbury, you know, I mean, I made it a pretty long ways. Um, but you know, but how that, early did you masturbate? Oh, like <laughs> six, yeah, like six years old. <laughs> I honestly didn't even know what that was until I got older. I didn't know what it was, but I definitely orgasmed when I was like it's so wild. six like, or seven. We get there. It's yeah. Like, well, it's just something talk. feels good. Like you're just following something that feels good. And then you're like, oh, something happened. And that's alarming because we don't have the language to explain what it is. And until I was like 18 or 19 and it happened again a little more like on purpose. And then I was like, oh. Oh, that's what I did when I was like seven. But that's literally how, I mean, that's how long it took me. Like it happened once when I was a kid and then I didn't think about it again until it happened again. And I knew what it was that time. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. I've done that before. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's just a, it's a crazy, it is very much, I think, generational regardless of whether you grow up with more of a like religious or cultural kind of bent to it. Um, so, but I do, something that you said, Krista, I think is also extremely common where, you know, you go for so long, not talking about it. It's kind of shameful. It's, you know, it's shame when there's never actually been an articulate conversation about it yet. You know that it's not something that you talk about and it's not something that you ask questions about. You just have that knowing. And I think well, that train just left. That's like totally, that's like, that's my favorite mom brain thing of all time. I'll like get real fired up to the point where I'm like sweating out my armpits. It's so funny. Cause I was so on the train too. I'm like having a hard time. I know. Like I'm always like driving there, like lots of purpose. And then shame. Yeah. So shame. That was close. It's cool. It's going to come back. I'm not even worried about it. This happens to me all the time. So, oh, I know what it was. (laughs) There it is. You were talking about how once you kind of got out on your own and you started exploring, you very quickly kind of shifted into using it for validation. Like what age do you think you were when you went from like, this is a shameful thing we don't talk about and we don't do to like, I'm now engaging in this and I'm using it to like externally validate myself. Mm, I was like 15. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like 15 and, um, my sister was older, so she was four years older, and I was in like eighth grade, and so she was a senior, and then she would bring all of her friends around. Yeah. And so I would get attention from them, and then when I was a freshman, I would get attention from older guys, and I ended up dating older guys. Like, you know, so all the time, for the most part, I was dating them. I would date for like, I've had a boyfriend for my whole life, you know, ranging from a year to five years, you know, so they were always dating, but it was like something where I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like I feel attractive. I feel powerful. I feel included and I feel these things, but I never enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, I never liked it one time um, until I was in like a more loving relationship, maybe later on. 
And then, you know, it kind of came and went. And then, you know, I started to like enjoy it because I really figured it out and I was really like mentally there and I was really like present and, um, you know, validated the fact that I deserved to feel good during this situation. So that happened, you know, probably outside of college even, but yeah, it just became, you know, and I would say that being reflective now that it was like a validation technique, it was an escapist technique to get out of my house because it felt so crazy. And, um, I've always felt comfortable with men and, and that sounds kind of odd, but my dad and I've had a great relationship. So I always felt like safe. I always felt seen and, um, it never was, um, super destructive, but it wasn't really like the most soul honoring, healthy thing I could have been doing. You share really openly on your own podcast about how you were chubby as a kid and how you had a lot of body image stuff. And you recently actually just released a really beautiful episode, solo episode about that. And I relate so much to that. Um, how much do you think that played into that, like feeling beautiful, feeling desirable, feeling like finally you were being seen like the way you wanted to be after struggling with that as yeah. a kid? Yeah, I think it was like until, so until like eighth grade, I was always the the funny chubby friend. And then in eighth grade, I kind of got my, got my looks. So to be getting attention from the hottest guys that are seniors in high school who are huge fucking losers in actuality, yeah. <laughs> it felt so good. You know, it felt good to be like, oh man, I'm actually the pretty one. Like people think I'm attractive. People think I'm these things. And then, um, so I didn't really like, it wasn't like, I was like, oh, I love my body, but I was like, oh, I just felt pretty. But the body stuff definitely plays a role and really actually, actually has been helpful for me because it's like, because I'm insecure at times, it's prevented me from actually hooking up and sleeping with people more so than I probably would. And it's actually made me more guarded because it's like, on a soul level, I want to be protective of my energy. And there's a deep energetic imprinting, like we talked about that happens, but also to feel insecure is like, oh, you know, what if I, I take off my clothes and they don't like what they see. So it helps mm -hmm. to like protect myself in a way. Um, but you know, as I got more confident and when I would be in loving relationships, it would be like really liberating and really freeing. And it would be almost like feeling naked with someone felt better than feeling in clothes. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's such that shift too, where sometimes I think maybe people would feel this way, but I feel like I feel better naked than I do in clothes. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, oh, I feel free. And so just learning that through loving relationships has been like incredibly helpful. But um, yeah, the body image stuff definitely plays a role, yeah. a huge role in like how sexy you feel. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting because you're, you're also an empath, aren't you? Like big time. So it's, it's such an energetic, like even in the early days, like such an energetic experience for you. And yeah. so that like being naked with somebody is like the most vulnerable you can be. And so once you're in a loving relationship that is giving you life instead of sucking out of you, it feels better to be naked because you're like absorbing like yeah. all of that, like positivity and beauty and intimacy and all of that. So that makes perfect sense. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Um, also being intuitive too. Like I could tell, you know, there was few times where I could tell that they didn't really like me, you know, and, and that happened maybe twice before I was like, okay, no more. I don't, I don't like that. I don't feel safe. I don't enjoy that. I don't, I don't like when I can tell that they don't really care about me or they don't really love me. And when you find someone that loves you and then you are able to do that, it's so much better, you know, even yeah. if, you're, you know, just 
the whole experience. So I think, you know, women as intuitive beings, like we know when they like us or not. And mm. for me, I couldn't really disconnect my body to like enjoy it from a body experience and enough to like cover the fact that they didn't like me, even though people could definitely do that. Like some people are really good at that, like being like, oh, it's just physical, it feels good. But I'm always trying to be more connected. So I could never disconnect enough to be like, this is fun for my body, but not for my spirit. It always yeah. has to be the mm -hmm. same for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because societally, especially the way that, you know, all of us were raised, there I don't know if you guys feel this or not, you'll have to tell me. I feel like now that I am, you know, appropriate aged and I'm married and everything, you know, everything's like fine now. Like it's fine to be like sexual yeah. and freaky and whatever, because I'm like stoking my marriage. Like it's contained within this very like wholesome mm -hmm. place now. Whereas when I had all of my sexual experiences leading up to my husband, there are many crowds that would not find any of those positive or like any of the stories or any of the lessons or anything that I got from those experiences, they wouldn't yeah. be looked upon as a good thing because they were had in this more like wild freewheeling, you know, kind of, yeah. kind of way. But what happens, you know, when you do that is that you do lose the ability to talk about the things that were really important. Like I did a lot, Lindsay, you were saying that it felt sexuality felt like an expression for you, very much an expression for me. And I had so many positive things. Like I learned and gained so many positive things out of my sexual interactions in my early twenties, especially because I think it was Cheryl Strayed who said that she, um, just had a habit of collecting men who like adored her. I have also been very fortunate. I have not ever slept with somebody who didn't think I was like literally the best thing. Like even, you know, the, the, I think I, the one or two, like one night stands that I had were people who I had like been engaged in conversation for like hours and they were like enthralled by me. And like the whole experience was like very like worshipful and like very positive. Like they made me feel like a damn queen. And I gained so many, I, I gained such a different perspective of even myself. Like it was very empowering for me and overwhelmingly positive. Like there were plenty of times where, you know, I went into something unconsciously and definitely was getting some sort of like external validation or some like quick fix out of it that wasn't long-term, you know, healthy for my soul, you know, but I do feel like there were a lot of learning experiences. Like I learned to view myself and to feel confident and to ask for what I want and to articulate and to like lean into pleasure. I learned those things from my early sexcapades in my twenties. And I'm so grateful for those things, but there isn't really a space to, to, to celebrate that, to like talk about that, you know, mainstream even still like for a society that's so obsessed with sex, when you get into like the self-development space, even people want to, they want to keep things like clean and tidy and kind of tucked in. Sure. Do you guys, do you ever feel like that? Like when you're talking about your own experiences and you're sharing, even with your community, I think you guys do a really great job of being vulnerable and like, letting people know that this is hard for you to share. And like you, you, I feel like you prep really well before you share things with people and you take your time and you're very responsible about it. Um, but have you ever felt like there were pieces of your stories, your sex life, whatever that you couldn't share because it just isn't neat enough. It's not like buttoned up enough. I actually want to say something really fast about yeah. what you're saying. 
because I just was so called. So it's just really interesting too, like in the way you talk about, so now in your marriage, it's okay to express yourself in that way. And outside of it, it wasn't. And, you know, even how we're in our society, we talk about sexuality in this very specific way. It's all part of like the old paradigm structure of like masculinity and of even like this contorted idea of what sexuality is based on the masculine, which is hypersexualized, hyper-focused on body parts, hyper-focused on these certain aspects of sexuality that we see. And that is the only thing that's okay. And that's only okay if it's through the, the lens of a male. And with yours too, it's like your sexuality is now okay because it exists within the structure that we deem okay. And that you're being freaky, whatever is inherently for the man and inherently keeps the man around because you are being freaky and you are being a good housewife and you are being all these things. And it's just such so telling to the way in which that like we perceive sexuality now and how it's still part of this like old paradigm and this old structure that is so masculine, that is so like distorted mm -hmm. and that, you know, it's good that we're having conversations like this that are changing that. But I just wanted, I was just really called. Yeah. No. And I appreciate you saying that because it's, I mean, it's so true and that's why it matters to me that we normalize these topics. That's why, you know, I find myself thinking about this a lot because I have a daughter, you know, now, especially like it matters for boys and girls, but just having a daughter and wanting her to grow up understanding that her pleasure belongs to her, that it's an innate birthright, that she, that her body, that her femininity, that her orgasms, like those things belong to her and she can choose to share them with a partner of whatever gender she chooses or not. But you know, that, that kind of, that narrative that we have, especially if you grew up you know, in the church or anything like that, it's kind of like, oh, you're, you have this gift that is not even for you. It was given to you to hang on to and take care of so that you can give it to a man one day. And mm -hmm. you know, that's going to be great. And it just, it ties our inherent worthiness up in this thing that doesn't belong to us. And that's just another, yeah, you know, okay. another way that keeps us like really fucking small and, you know, operating. Okay. Um, it, it just keeps us from being fully embodied. And, and when we're not embodied, we don't have any power. Like that's just all of our power is in our full expression and our full embodiment. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to go back to what you were saying, Lindsay, about, you know, it feeling like an expression for you. And I know that you have shared also about, you know, your single days, you were like the cool single chick on the cast. Like when you got started, you were like the single girl, single girls everywhere. Krista has been with um, her amazing <laughs> boyfriend, now fiance um, for the whole span of the show. But you know, Lindsay was out there like representing and trying to like keep yeah. it down and hold it down for all the single chicks. And something really, yeah, but something really <laughs> beautiful happened where, you know, and I feel like even, even on day one, even if, you know, none of us were as eloquent as we are now, it's like still the intention. You were very responsible with how you shared things and you were very supportive. And I feel like you just opened up conversations for other single women to like really feel themselves and, you know, kind of get out there and, and go without judgment. Like, I really feel like you, you did that and that's beautiful. And you've, you evolved that into um, a conscious, you know, being sing consciously single, which was also stunning. And you have, I think, do you have a course on that coming out? Or yeah, something? we're working on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let you plug that later, but I'm like, I know you did an episode on it for sure. Um, and now you're actually in a relationship, which is magical. And we can kind of 
go all through that, but I would just kind of love to hear a little bit more about your, your transition and your evolution from, you know, holding it down for all the single ladies to like making a conscious decision to shift into a lot more intentionality around being single. Because I do think that when women are on this, you know, path of wanting to, they want to invest in soulful, wholesome relationships, uh, but they want to create a new script for themselves. They want to continue having sex, but they don't want to do it in a unconscious way anymore. You know, like, I feel like that's a journey that you have navigated with a lot of grace. And I would just love to hear you speak on that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a journey. I think early on, I was single for about seven years, the better part of seven years. And early on it, it was a more reactionary period where I was reacting to the fact that the relationship that I thought was going to be my person for the rest of my life had like imploded. And so my way of numbing that pain was to go out there and sleep with a lot of guys, date guys randomly, um, and get validation that way to remind me that I was worthy of, you know, love and affection. None of those relationships were based in love (laughs) or respect. Um, and you know, that was a period of time where I really leaned on the physicality of a relationship to be my barometer, to tell me like whether this was good or not. And that was like a, um, a story that I've recently had to unlearn, you know, when you're in a serious relationship, like, yes, of course, sex is important, but it's not everything. And to, you know, expand how I'm gauging whether a relationship feels good or not um, has been a lot of the work. But um, going from like an unconscious to a conscious experience um, in being single was was a journey that like I had to do on my own, you know? Um, I realized that my relationship with my with myself was the most important relationship that I could tend to because I understood at a certain point that like, if I wasn't good with myself, like no one could properly like receive me, you know? And I say receive loosely, I just mean like, could really see me. So when I started to um, date myself, basically, you know, I would spend, I was living in New York for part of that time. And I would like, take myself out on dates. I'd go to a restaurant and have dinner by myself. I would, um, you know, do things that I would dream of doing with a partner and I would do them for myself. And that was just my way of, instead of seeking outside validation, turning to myself and being like, okay, like you can validate yourself in this moment. Like you, you can say to yourself and prove to yourself that you are worthy of this love and this self-care and this time. Um, and that, that as a habit really changed the way that I was approaching any relationship that came in. So I started to attract then like a different type of person before I was attracting guys who didn't want to commit guys who, yeah, were attracted to me and I was attracted to them, but there was no, they were not seeing me like that whole John Wineland thing, like struck me so hard because I was in a season of like, guys who were not truly seeing me for me, um, 
which was heartbreaking, you know, like I didn't get it. I didn't make the connection. Um, so once I started to attract guys that actually like appreciated who I was, I started to feel what it would feel like to be in a really healthy, respectful relationship, which I, I haven't really had to be honest. Um, and I hadn't really seen modeled to me that much, like, you know, so it was just interesting. It was almost shocking to my system. Like, I think the nervous system in, in dating is an important um, part of you to explore because my nervous system, when a guy would come in and be like nice to me and respectful and hold space for me, I was like, whoa, you are too much. And it was actually like my boyfriend now, we met eight years ago. When I was living in New York, I was a bottle girl at Bounce Sporting Club in New York Woo. City. And, um, you know, he was one of those people, like one of the only people when we met and we went out on a date, I was like, oh my God, like, this is too much. You are so nice to me. You see me. It was almost uncomfortable. Like I wanted to crawl out of my body because he truly saw me. And um, I ran away from him for so long, but I, I was always pulled to him. Like my heart was like, and my soul like just knew and was always pulled to him. But then when I would get close, you know, there was too many stories that told me that I wasn't good enough for this or that this would be like uncomfortable. Um, but all that to say, like it was necessary for me to take that time being single, like very seriously, just like we tell people, you know, your Saturn return going from your twenties to your thirties is such an important time. Yeah. This time when you're single, if you wish your way out of it, if you focus on what you don't have and you, um, you know, make your prayers about the need, the need, the need, the need, it's going to block you from ever evolving and ever becoming, um, in relationship with yourself. So my prayer like became just like more about my relationship with me rather than wanting to like call in someone. And the yeah. second that happened, like everything, everything changed. And it felt like that even from the outside, like it felt like right when you got to the point where you're like doing a solo episode on being consciously single and the sacredness <laughs> of singleness. And you're like really sinking your heels into it so that you can like go on a crusade, a crusade about it. And then this like a beautiful man shows up and you're like, Oh yes, I'm in love with like, well, it's the ultimate, yeah. like once you accept something, it's like the universe is like, cool. She's got the lesson. Yep. Mm -hmm. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And so, okay. How, if, if you're able to speak on this, I know you are keeping like certain things by your relationship close to the vest right now. So I want to be very respectful of that, but I'm also just curious. Like, I mean, for real though. Um, but I, I want to talk about like the transition from being consciously single and working on yourself. And then like a, this guy from eight years ago who made you like creepy crawling inside of your skin because you just couldn't handle it. Like, how, how and where, like, how did he come, come, how did we get back here? Like, how did it, you know, like, are you able to share that right now? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. So, um, so we've been in contact throughout the years and most of the time, like he, ha he's always had girlfriends. Um, so most of the time when we would meet up again, it would be under a context of friends, but like with that, like, boom, 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 like yeah. feeling, you know, especially coming from him. 
uh, even when he had girlfriends. Um, and so when we were in New York for our tour this past October, he randomly reached out to me. Um, he had seen that I was in New York on Instagram. Um, and he texted me and said, Hey, I saw that you were in New York. I'm so sorry. I missed you. Like would love to catch up soon. And I texted him back and I was like, I'm going to be here for the, for the next few days. Like would love to see you. Do you want to get coffee? And he's like, no, like I don't want to get coffee. He's like, let's go out to dinner. <laughs> let's get some dinner. We went out to dinner the night before I left. And long story short, um, you know, earlier that day, I just had this like, call it angels, guides, whatever, this ping that was just like, he has to tell you something. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So we sat down to dinner and like 10 minutes into dinner, he's so like, Lindsay shaved your whole body. Shaved my whole body. <laughs> you didn't get course, her entire because body. hairy legs never kept anyone from having sex. I don't care what they say. <laughs> um, and so 10 minutes into dinner, he told me, cause I, I thought he had a girlfriend at the time. Like they were together for almost like two years. So I was like going into it. Like we're friends. I still wore like a leather mini skirt. Of course. Like, yeah. Whatever. I mean, just in case, just in case and, things are on the rocks, like on the way out, you know, <laughs> we want him to remember you. Recall is important. Yeah. <laughs> and he told me that they had broken up a month prior and I was like, oh, okay, that was the thing that he needed to tell me. And then we started to talk about like what we were looking for in a partner. Um, he's a you. He's like very open and we, we talk a lot. And so we were just really honest and we were literally describing each other. And so I stopped him. I was like, Hey, listen, we do this thing where we talk about what we want in a relationship or we're talking about each other and his jaw dropped. Cause I've never like expressed that to him. And, um, basically like we've been together ever since. Like, yes, I went back to, I went back to our place we were staying, shaved my whole body. <laughs> Um, whole body went back to see him. And that was like a moment too, where I knew it was different this time because old Lindsay would have been like, no, like I have a flight tomorrow morning. Like I'm not like messing up. Like I have to sleep. I have to do the thing. Like I can't do this. And he said, like, <laughs> he's like, it would mean a lot to me if you stayed over. Like, I just, I know you're leaving, but like, I would love to just like spend as much time with you as possible. And for me to like really hear that, and believe that was huge for me. Cause normally I would have been like, no, no, no. Like it's just, I would have played into the complications. Like, yeah. how are we going to do this? I'm in LA, you're in New York. Da, 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 da. Mm. I was like, okay. The cosmos yeah. was like, yeah. nail that shit down, shave everything, go over there right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've been Girl. together ever since. Oh my God. But, um, I love it, that. It's pretty cool. It's yeah. Pretty cool. No, that's awesome. And um, speaking of dick. <laughs> So going from like your, your conscious sexuality practices to moving into a relationship after being single for seven years, like, how has that been? Because as someone who has been with my partner for seven years, married, we have a baby now on top of it, which can't wait for y'all to have kids so we can continue this conversation. But you know, there's just, we go through these seasons and these changes, like we know it's different. So like, how is that? I mean, how has it been? Like how, yeah. How's it been? Let's start there. It's been really cool because, you know, like I said earlier, I just leaned on my physicality and sex, like that sexual nature of a relationship to tell me whether a relationship was good or not. Mm-hmm. And he and I have talked about, we did like a, a virtual town hall a few weeks ago and he talked about this openly. So I feel okay sharing it, but we, in the beginning, like there was just like this nervousness he had. He's like, oh my gosh, like this girl I've like loved you know, I'm finally able to like, I'm with her. And I felt the same way, you know, like I I really did in my heart. 
and he just it was like nerve wracking for him. So his ability to perform in the beginning was like actually was compromised by that. Anxious. Yeah. 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 And it was really cool because those conversations actually like peeled back like that anxiety for him and to be able to talk about it increased like that, like the attraction, like the, like our, I wouldn't say chemistry because that's always been there, but we built intimacy, like right yeah, on the intimacy, forefront, yeah. which, yeah. you know, yeah. exactly. So yeah. it was really cool. And I always knew like, it would be fine. Like I never, but when normally old Lindsay would have been like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm so out. We like, don't have any chemistry. Out. The sparks just aren't there. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm a, di- you guys are funny. I'm like, I'm a disgusting pig. What, what are they <laughs> doing? Honestly, that would be me. I'm like, insane. I'd be insecure. I'd be like, oh my God, it's me. No, no, I I, that, but I thought that too. I was yeah. like, is it me? Because like, yeah, self-admittedly, he's like, I, this doesn't happen with like other girls. I'm like, okay. Like I believed him because yeah. it, it actually meant something to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, he was just, he's, he literally cared too much. He was like, oh my God, like I'm so terrified of messing this up that like, I can't get the soldier to report well, for duty. Like the programming that we have, you know, a yeah. program that everyone has, like, yes. that is detrimental to men that they're always going to be ready and willing yeah. and he's down and that they're very, yeah. they're horny 24 seven. And I think that's, hurtful to them too. So yes. mm-hmm. growing up is also honoring like their own sexuality and journey and mm-hmm. you know, all that. And he yeah. grew up like in like kind of that toxic masculinity mm-hmm. thing. Like he's Jamaican. His dad was like, you have women around you. That's like your worth. Like the yeah. legislators always get women or whatever he heard as a child, truly like, and that's really affected him. So to kind of like be with him and have conversations to reprogram that story. And he's helping me kind of rewrite some of mine has been like the ultimate foreplay. You know what I mean? I actually think a huge benefit of you, of you guys coming together at this stage in life that you're at, at the age that you're at with all of the lessons that you have is that you don't have, cause we all remember what it's like to be, you know, 21, 22. And like, it's just hormones, like it's hormone driven. And then later when you've been together seven plus years or whatever, and you don't have the hormones and it's very, you like, it's hard not to be like, Oh my God, I wish we could just like go back to having sex. Like we did when we were that age. <laughs> like, I wish we could just, you know, because you wanted it all the time. You did it multiple times a day. And like, what happened to that? Like it never happens anymore. And I'm actually rereading, um, sexual intelligence. And I, I can't remember the doctor's name, but it's such a good book because he's basically the whole premise of the book is everyone who comes into his practice complaining about how they just want to have sex like they did in the beginning. But in the beginning, we're in different bodies. We have our hormones are in different places. We have different life experiences that are our threshold at that time. We have a different understanding and less vocabulary and less life experiences when we start So why, when we are like a decade removed from that or longer, do we think that we should still be experiencing sex in our 30 year old body, the way that we were in our 23 year old body, because everything is different. And so this like concept is obviously very, it's not serving anyone to constantly be like regretting the fact that you're not performing the way you were when you were 23, when you're, I mean, our cells like turn over completely in seven years, every seven years. So we're like actually a different person, a totally different person Mm -hmm. at 30. So of course the sex isn't going to be the same. So Mm -hmm. I just think that there's such a, 
such a gift in, you know, kind of finding this relationship and being where you are now, where you're doing so much of this like intimacy work and stuff on, on the forefront. And it's not all about fireworks and it's not about that physicality because a lot of you who get together younger, you find your relationship kind of based on physicality and you have to learn the rest later when that starts to dwindle. So I think, I think that's really, really awesome. And Speaking to that, Krista, we'll shift on over to you. So don't, she's like giggling. Cause I'm like talking to Lindsay, <laughs> but I'm like, let's talk about you now. Um, so you and, and, uh, Mr. Biggs, you guys have been together for, you know, seven years now, seven, eight, or yeah, maybe not. seven years. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I, I love uh, the other thing I loved listening back to the episodes was like three, four years ago, you know, you were like, yeah, I mean, marriage. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. That might not, that doesn't feel that great. I really love my partner and we're going to stay together forever, but marriage kind of stinks. I don't really like it and you know, whatever. And just had, you had experienced some like toxic, um, stories yeah. around that in general. And now you're engaged to this beautiful man who also for the record has the sexiest radio voice of all time. Like when he did your, he does, when he was on your podcast episode, I was like, Jay Hall, listen to that voice. Darn. I was like, I remember when we first would talk on the phone, I was like, yo, what? You're like, what is happening? Yeah. That, so, you know, props for that. I, I have a huge thing about voices. Like if I cannot, like if I can't listen to a voice, like people talk about like butts mm-hmm. all the time and I'm like, look, I'm down for a good butt. But if I can't stand your voice, like that is I love a that. problem. Like I really, you know, somebody else is, <laughs> when I was, so I was still pregnant when this episode came out, Howard Pierce I just want to sit in a bathtub and let him read me poetry until I die. Like I just, I was like walking down the street and I was like nine months pregnant and extremely horny and just like could not, I'm like listening and I'm like, he is touching my soul, but he is also, is that not his name? That's going to be really embarrassing. I want to find who it is. Stuart, Stuart Pierce. Pierce. That's why. That's why. There oh we my go. God. I was like, he's touching my soul, but also like I have fire in my loins right now. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's because I'm like pregnancy hormones, but also I like want to like live out Shakespearean fantasies with him somewhat. <laughs> oh my God. And Stuart, when he gets in, he's like, yeah, so. <laughs> oh my God. Where are we so going? <laughs> like, he's so in it and. Oh my God, profound. Oh you know whose voice I, I'm having a hard time with that I wish I loved? Joe Dispenza. Can I oh, take a left know. turn and say that? I'm sure yeah, you can. I don't, really love, no. I don't love his people. voice. No, I don't love They're his like, voice. He's like, it's imagine like, the space. Yeah. Like, and then go get a slice of pizza at my uncle's pizzeria. Yeah. 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 You're like, I can't. Like, if you're from Brooklyn, like, I love you. Nothing against you, but I'm not going to be able. You're not going to get me there erotica wise or meditation wise. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, John Wyland, on the other hand, you can say whatever you want. That's fine. Say whatever you want to me. Um, yeah. So getting back to long-term relationships and I'm like, let me figure out how to bring that back around sexuality within your long-term relationship. And I would just, I will, I would love to hear you talk about the transition you had, the evolution you had around how you see marriage and mm-hmm. what, you know, what changed for you that made you decide that you guys did want to get married. You guys got engaged gosh, was that last year already or early this year? Yeah, it was last right. year. It was already last year. So end of last year, oh. you guys got engaged, which is so happy and congratulations again in person. Um, but yeah, just share, share a little bit about yeah. that if you would. Of course. So, you know, before I would just, I just had the thought and sentiment that, um, that 
I kind of was, you know, in the work that we do, I saw through the marriage industry in a way where I was like, oh, it's really just about consumerism. It's about showing people how much money you have. And it's really not about the thing that it's actually about. Um, so that was sort of my thought around it too. And, you know, I've known since I met Justin and even before we started dating that he was my person. So I was like, you know, there's no rush for me. There's no, there's no hurrying something I already know is there. And I sort of have felt like the, the quicker people rush it, it's like, what's the reasoning behind that? Like, mm -hmm. are you afraid it's going to go away? Are you afraid it's not meant to be? And so I've never really cared. And then there was sort of the insecurity that I had in being able to have the wedding of my dreams, you know, that was like underlying there of being worthy to have this like beautiful experience. I never felt like I had enough money or I had the things to make it as special as I wanted. So it was like a combination of that. It had nothing to do with um, my love for Justin and my deep commitment to him, just more so all of that. And, you know, it just was like a boring question to me. Like after four years, five years, everyone would ask it all the time. It's oh like, when are you getting married? When you, and it's just boring. Like it's yeah. like, what do you want from me? And so um, I didn't enjoy that either. So I, you know, definitely made that strong stance and sentiment, but it was like last year that I felt just really ready and more called to, to do the thing and just wanting that next step. And, you know, the next step was like, just feeling like we were on our way to a family more so, you know, because marriage for me is so about family and my mm -hmm. commitment to Justin is just as strong today as it was seven years ago. But it's really just like about building that beautiful foundation and I'm looking forward to our family and, you know, however many years. And so it's about that for me. And, um, you know, now it's just, it's fun. It's a fun process. And I'm really stepping into seeing it as this like beautiful memory for me and allowing myself to receive love from people that mean a lot to us. So um, we're planning now and, you know, it's fun and expensive and all the things people say, I'm doing things I never thought I would do, but I'm trying to make it like as much us as I can. Mm, I love that. My husband and I actually did a, an organized elopement. Uh, it wasn't a true elopement because it wasn't like spur of the moment. Like I planned what I was going to wear and he bought like a tailored suit. And, you know, we just told everyone we were going away to San Francisco for our three year anniversary. And then we got married while we were there on like Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was in like a $250 uh, prom dress, European prom dress that I found on Pinterest, which was like gorgeous. And I was so obsessed with it. And it was the greatest thing because we just wanted, you know, we talked about it multiple times and I was like, look, I just, family dynamics are the fucking worst. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great your family is. When you get everybody in the same spot with stepdads and new wives and partners and mom and all the things, it's like, it very quickly becomes about everybody else and not about the people getting married. And I was like, I just want it to be us. Like, I just want it to be you and me. And so we had an adorable elderly gentlemen marry us at the San Francisco city hall, which is super stunning. And then we went back to our hotel room and I actually kicked out of my skirt and we said our vows that we wrote for each other to each other while we were drinking champagne out of plastic glasses. And I was in my underwear and the top half of my dress. And I still cried because it was so like just everything that we were saying to each other. It was, it was so just us and it wasn't about anybody else. Mm -hmm. And then six months later, when the weather turned nice again, we had a hundred of our closest friends and family to the backyard. We catered tacos and we all just hung out and let people get drunk Love and it, it was great. Like, like yeah, okay. it was so good. Um, but you know, something that I did want to share and I, I know that you feel this intuitively and that's why you're choosing to get married. It's 
because I think when you've been together with someone for a long time, there is a conversation that happens between all couples where it's like, you know, we love each other. We're committed to each other. Like nothing's going to change when we get married. So like, sometimes it's kind of like, what's the point? And then sometimes it's like, so why not? Since it's all going to be the same. There is a very profound, but subtle thing that does change when you make that. And it, it very much, it's what you're talking about, that family centric. It's like, they go from being your life partner to being your family. And it just, you don't understand it until you do it Mm. and you get, I mean, it just, it like is so nourishing. It was just, it felt like taking a deep breath after seven years, even though I felt like we're going to be the exact same, whether we actually like had the piece of paper or not. It's not about the piece of paper. It's about literally the energetic, like tying together and like bonding that happens that creates that family between the two of you. And it just, it feels unlike anything that I have the words to describe, but it, it is different. Like you wake up and it is different. I just want more control over everything. That yeah. We do. <laughs> You're like, I'm your wife. Control. I just want control over bank accounts. I want control over our schedule. We're a family. We do what I want. Like, <laughs> I know Mike's always like, he's like, this is, this is Kristen's world. I'm just living in it. Uh, well, now I have, we have James. Oh my God. So we have James and she is a firecracker. Like surprise. I put an I in there. I was like super cute about it. So it's J A I M E S. So she can put a heart over it in school if she wants to. It looks a little more feminine on paper. Like when you write it out. So I put a lot of thought into it, but again, like I, I picked that obviously. <laughs> she, Obviously. so she's James Pamela because his mom passed away um, from cancer six years ago, and her name was Pam, and so we had to, we had to work that in there. Get get yeah. Pam her due. So, but James is like crazy fiery, which we knew would happen, and we just laugh because we also have a, a beagle, um, Ava, our little ba- beagle Ava, and so Mike just walks around. He's like the women in this house, like no respect, no respect whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> um, but I'm just, I'm so excited for you guys to, to get married and to take the oh. show on the road. Cause it's just, I mean, it's phenomenal. It really is. And I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of it. Yeah. At the wedding, it's actually going to be a live pod. We're going to do a little BTS <laughs> live pod. We can live pod That's my awesome. Yeah, That's we'll, awesome. I would love that. I'll creep up on whatever. <laughs> oh <laughs> I love I it. Would, I would probably do that, I think. Yeah. I feel like that could, I feel like that could work. It <laughs> oh, could. Could you just, could you just have like, you could also just have like a live feed where like people just have like guests, like greatest hits, like you pop could. in to yeah, like toast you and like wish you things. Paywall. They can help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send money for trips. Like, yeah, yeah. totally. I know. Honestly. We can make this work. We can make this work, guys. Um, okay. I want to be respectful of your time because we are coming up on our designated uh, hour. But Krista, I would love before we go, just thoughts because you have been in the same relationship for, you know, seven years and you have been navigating sex with the same person. And I, you know, I know all about that, but it's like, what are you guys doing to keep things? I mean, I hate that question. It's so like fucking Cosmo magazine. It's like, what are you doing to keep it hot? But like, what, what does it look like to maintain healthy sexual interaction in your relationship? Pop rockets when I pop rocks when I give him head. <laughs> that is so it is so sticky and disgusting. That's yes, so I tried cool. it, and it's like the stickiest, grossest thing of all time. I'm with that, we were me and Justin <laughs> talking about how Cosmo used to tell like they do. I totally remember that pop rocks and like ice and shit. So 
on this. We were dying of stupid. No, it's um, stupid. And you shouldn't do it because if you get sugar in your pee hole, you get like a really bad yeast <laughs> infection. Like you should not be doing that. It is not advisable. Anyone listening, do not do that. Don't the, do that. That's the thing. It's like when like camel cigarettes uses like a cartoon drawing of a camel. It's like, who's your audience? Is it adults or is it kids? It's like, right. what causes, it's like who's your audience that they're eating pop rocks? Right. And fucking whipped cream too. Like, don't oh get God, me started. Like, use use woo for pl- use woo. Use the love oil that tastes like cake batter. That's like a winner, and it's not gonna hurt anybody. But like, that's a huge tip. That's probably my biggest yeah. tip: is woo more play. Is oh my life. God! It yes, it is. Good. It makes everything fun. And it's easy. so good in the shower because it's oil based and it doesn't wash off, and you still don't have to deal with crappy like silicone mm-hmm. stuff. And that's it's just like, it, yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't last. It's it doesn't. Like, um, I would say it's just more like, I don't know. It's just for us, it's like knowing each other so well. And I just feel like I'm so attracted to him. It's like so easy. So like it is cultivating that attraction all the time. You know, mm-hmm. every day I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, like in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm so attracted to him for being smart, for being kind, for being funny. So reminding myself constantly through gratitude, through my own mindfulness practice, through just in general, like both of us keeping ourselves on top of our game physically, whatever that means, or mentally or through our jobs, like allows us to feel confident within ourselves, which inherently makes us feel more confident in each other and just more like attracted in general. So um, I think the care, the self-care that I have done has also rubbed off on him. And when you care for yourself and when you feel confident, it's like you feel sexy. So for me, it's like, if I feel good about myself, I feel sexy. And that's just so important. Mm. That's a great, that's a great answer, Krista. Thanks for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> in the other room, he said, I need to have a good answer. <laughs> So I'm going to wrap it up with like rapid fire, which I just made up because I don't actually do rapid fire on the show. I just decided right now that I'm going to, because I have a lot of questions left to ask and very little time to do it. So therefore rapid fire. Yeah. Anal into it. Yes or no. Um, okay. So first things first of all the guests, and I know this is very challenging. They're probably not going to hear anyway, so it doesn't matter. You can be honest. Of all the guests you've had on your show, all of the sexuality experts, all of the divine feminine workers, all of the people, for each of you, who do you think is was the most impactful on your sex life, how you perceive yourself and your own sexuality? Like You can pick whatever direction. I'm not going to dictate that for you, but like who is really... Lindsay, I know you already had a pretty profound moment with John Wyland, but you're, I'll give you another one if you want it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's for sure. Um, number one for me, I just like very, very much connect with the way he articulates yeah. and embodies mm-hmm. what he teaches. Um, also Michaela Baum. Baum. Um, yeah. Wild woman. Um, yeah. Um, she's incredible. I, yeah, I think there is something to, for me and my learnings, like having, a really good balance of the masculine and feminine we've throughout what I'm learning because I, we all have masculine and feminine energies in us. I tend to come from like a more like masculine place. I don't know if that's cause like we're, we're more masculine when we're working. So it's been really important for me to be able to integrate the two by learning through both energies. Mm. Yeah. That. I, Oh, Alexandra Roxo yeah. is yeah. just iconic. She mm-hmm. honestly is just, I am in awe of her. I just am in complete awe of her and the way that she embraces her femininity and the way she is so sensual and so vulnerable and so 
like evolving. She just really lets herself change and evolve. And it's seriously a sight to Mm -hmm. see. So, you know, I look to her as someone that's such an expander for me to really be in my femininity more and really explore deeper parts of myself. You know, she, she's awesome. So I would say Alexandra Roxo is like for Mm. sexuality and femininity is one of my favorites. That hair. Oh my God. I mean, that that whole life. I know everything. She's so captivating because she like a lot because she believes it, you know, it's like energy of like, you're like, and she's like, she's witnessing herself evolving and being so like, compassionate yeah mm-hmm. for herself you know one. which yeah. I really love so really good because I'm like oh I want to yeah. be like yeah <laughs> to me honestly. yeah well she's I mean she she is a really beautiful example of what it looks like to practice what you preach you know because yeah. there's there's still yeah. even even with a lot of people that I love you know there there's still that slight disconnect where it's like they say all of these things, but it's very clear energetically, you know, or, or otherwise that they're not always on the same page as, you know, what you're talking about. And she, you know, like you, you're saying, she's very in it all the time. And, and it takes a very aware and also a very humble person. I feel like to be able to like witness yourself in real time and be able to share as you're going through things. Cause it's so much harder to share shit from the middle of the swirl than to like, wait until you're on the other side and you have like collected all the neat gifts and package it up so you can share them with other people. Oh yeah, yeah. I do that shit all the time, but it's like so much harder to be like, Hey, this is where I am. And it's fucking terrifying. And I have no lesson to share with you. This is just what's happening. I hope that helps someone. (laughs) Yes. Cause yeah. you don't know what's on the other side. You're like, yeah. maybe I won't get out of it. Yeah. So maybe I will not be okay. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I was like, I was like, what else? Oh, <laughs> I love my you. Turn <laughs> my turn again. My turn again. Yeah. You're like, hmm. <laughs> okay. My turn. Um, okay. So you guys, I also love the fact that because you have had so many, like, this is very practical and very selfish of me. You've had so many awesome sponsors on the show over the years. And so you've tried a lot of different products. So if I'm like staring down the barrel and having to pick between like one or the other for you guys, is it flex the discs? Is it a period cup or is it organic tampons? Um, I, I'm on the disc right now and I really like it. Um, I still feel really intimidated by, yeah, it's a talent to, the cup. Out, to be honest. I'm it's very concerned about cup. throwing blood all over the world. I'm a cup girl. Diva yeah. cup, baby. Diva I'm cup. Cups are just as messy as the disc. Cups are. Oh, a hundred percent. No, I'm going to, this <laughs> is the first time. Even a tampon. You, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like really? huge. Yeah. No, oh tampons I feel like are easy. You just yeah. throw them in the, you literally put them in the toilet. They don't, yeah. You just pull you the just, string over the toilet and you don't it, throw you things everywhere. You string, you get blood on your underwear, it slides out. You How guys, have you been wearing tampons? You guys, they leak. <laughs> okay. I mean, you do need to change them just like anything else. Okay, I will say this. I'm going to out myself right now because I feel like I am hippie enough that everyone probably assumes that I am using a cup or a disc or something. And I am not because I'm terrified of them actually. Like I'm very well educated on them. I could even recommend based on like the company, like mission and vision, like what people should buy if they're into those. But I personally have not put a cup or a disc into my vagina because I'm really unsure of how it actually goes down. Like I really am like, I want someone to show me how to do hey, it and how to get it. Here's out. YouTube videos. Hi. 
<laughs> you'll be able to get it. You'll be able to get it out. But like, I mean, that was me when I first started using tampons. Like yeah. I literally was so scared. My mom had to like do it for me and pull it out. Like yeah. it was terrifying. And then I was like, wait, what? I think I, for me, I was just like, I'm so logical. I'm like, there's a string. I'll be able to find it A and B. You just tug the string and pull it out. Like, that that didn't feel little, scary. There's a little, there's a little like thing. Okay. Yeah. But I'm like, there's suction and then it just, not. well, yeah. I'm like, do you like have to keep it level like a pizza as you like pull it out the mouth of your vagina? Like and I just literally bend with my finger and pull it out. It's, it's actually, it's quite hard. So wow. at times it's quite hard. So maybe start with a cup and work up have to, <laughs> yeah, can't find the damn thing. But it'd be like Mike as if childbirth was not scarring enough. Would you like to help me retrieve a disc of blood from my yep. vagina? <laughs> If it flicks on you, hey. I mean, at this point, I mean, dude was like front row and center, like with up with hemorrhoids and all kinds of things during home birth. Like he has seen oh God, so that. many things, so what many things. He's, oh, he is an icon. Oh my God. Michael, I love you. Just love putting, that, putting that out there again. Okay. Um, the next thing. So sex toys, because you guys have all of the brands that we love, Unbound Babes, Dame, I mean, all of them. What is your favorite toy right now? Because there's a lot of them and we love them all equally and stuff for the most part. But like, if you had to pick one that you're currently being sponsored by or that you have been sponsored by, what is a toy that you really, really enjoy? Yeah. Dame makes this, um, Dame is incredible. Um, female founded, um, company. We had Alexandra Fine on the podcast. I know it was a great episode. I listened to it twice. She's so good. Um, they have a vibrator called the Eva two mm-hmm. and it's like, it basically kind of fits in your labia and has little wings yeah. and it's great for like, whether you're by yourself or with a partner, you can like wear it when you're with a partner and it stimulates you, um, you know, on the yeah. outside. Clitoral, external clitoral, clitoral stimulation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's good. I mean, it's, it's great. I love that one. It's simple. Um, easily it like a water bug. <laughs> All yeah. the things. I That's think awesome. we had the, I, I think you maybe listened to the episode with Kim and Ami. Yep. She was, Absolutely. and it she was interesting because she talked about not using toys. She mm-hmm. said it desensitizes you. Yeah. So I'm kind of on that tip right now, but if I do, mm-hmm. do, do that, I like Dame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unbound Babes has great stuff too. It's they just do. Like, their, their, uh, gem dildo, their glass dildo is like my favorite thing on earth. It's so oh my God, oh, they really? sent that to me and so I, good. Cause it's not, well, it's got just the right amount of curve, like for that G spot stimulation. And especially if you use it with clitoral external, like stuff, it's so good. Like, it's just, it's a good size. Cause it's not like huge, but it's also not like right. tiny and the right. cool, sometimes like the cool of the glass, cause it's cold and it warms to your body as you go. Like that provides a whole like level huh. of sensation that is oh, definitely that. worth trying out. Good one. Yeah. Also, you can flip it around and stick it up your butt if you're really adventurous. <laughs> there there's, you like, there's like a ribbed piece on the end and no that's also very fun, but work your way up to that, guys. Don't just like stick it in yeah. your butt. <laughs> yeah. You're going to need, you're going to need to work your way up to that. If, <laughs> if you've only had a finger in there, like this is not the next step. This is like the fifth step or something. <laughs> Okay. I, I sidetracked myself on that. And so I'm not sure if I had another question after that or not, but that feels like a good feels like a good place to like wrap I know. it up. I feel like we have to start at the top and end at the butt. So I feel mm-hmm. like that's like, yeah, I feel like that was anatomically and yeah. energetically like yep. correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. No, here's the last one. This is fun. One word to describe your sex life. Just one word. 
Mm. I made that up just now. So I hope you're impressed with how creative I am. Nourishing. Ooh, that's so high vibe of you Mm -hmm. and connected. Those are wonderful. What would you use for yours? Those are better than I expected. (laughs) What was I going to do? Be like... I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I was going to be like once a week, but that's because that's not one word. And that's because I have a three month baby, you guys. So it's, it's a process. Maybe Although I will describe your sex life once a week. <laughs> one more, yeah, <laughs> that also describes my brain. Right now. <laughs> oh my God. I, love that. I will tell you though, um, on Sunday. So we, once a week on the weekend, we have our sex date, which is very important that we keep. Um, if we yeah. get anything extra, that's wonderful, but it's just, it's not realistic right now, which is totally fine. So like a Saturday, Sunday is like when it has to happen. So Sunday was, was the fateful day this past weekend. And we're like in the shower. Cause we're going to do, I mean, that's like the epitome of efficiency. She is taking a nap. Everyone needs to bathe. So let's like both just bang in the shower. And then like, we're doing all the things like it feels like winning. And so we're in the shower and it, you know, it, you get into it and sex might actually be the only time that I forget for three seconds that I have a kid. Like Mike gets to go to work and like leave and do stuff. So every now and then he comes back and looks genuinely surprised that I have a baby when he walks into the house. But I, on the other hand, like I never forget unless I'm mid orgasm. Yeah. And so I, we're in the shower and he is like spanking me and spanks me so loud that the baby starts crying. <laughs> like oh, woke her up. Oh my God. I love so I like bail out of the shower and like wrap a towel around myself and run like dripping into her room to like put her binky back in her mouth. I'm like, pat her back to sleep. And I'm like, shh. <laughs> and then we had to like switch it up for the ending because I was like, dude, I so appreciate where that was going, but like she needs to go to sleep. So we're going to have to switch it up. Play. <laughs> so you guys are the best. I love you, Thank you so, so much. much. Yes. Thank you for just being a for being you. That's just, that's, that covers it. It's very blanket, but more specifically, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being walking permission. Thank you for being expanders for so many women and men. Um, but just the work that you do is really important and it's really beautiful. And the fact that you have successfully built such a beautiful movement off of being the most authentic version of yourselves. Like the fact that that's possible is such a gift. Um, because, and that's, that's, I mean, you guys are shaping how we move forward in the world. You really are. And I, I hope that you get those rare like moments where you're able to actually feel that because I know that when you're like in it all the time, it can be hard to feel that. Oh, I hear my baby in the background just (laughs) as we speak. Um, but I really, I just, it's, it really is profound and there is nothing conceited about being able to like recognize that and let it continue to fuel you. So I hope that you're able oh, to do that. Thank you so much. That means the world. We and love we're you. so proud of you. I mean, yes. truly this is, you were made for these types yes. of conversations and you do such a great job. It's in, it's funny. It's engaging. It's honest. So thank you. Thank you guys. I've told, I mean, I think I've literally told everybody this podcast would not be here now in the way that it is without you guys, because they're just, there wasn't, I, I so wanted to, I wanted to be in that space. Like I've connected with the podcast medium from day one. I was like, it, it feels the most authentic to me. I love it more than Instagram. I love it more than Facebook. I love it more than anything else, but I didn't, a, I didn't know what I wanted to say, and I was like, I'm not going to start this just to start it. Like I have to have something to say when I start. And I didn't see anybody doing it the way that I thought it should be done. And it felt really overwhelming to just jump in and like figure that out. 
And I didn't, you know, so I didn't. And then you guys did. And thank God. And then I came across you and around the same time that I figured out like what I'm supposed to be talking about. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like here are two amazing people who have like carved this space out in the world where there formerly wasn't one. And it so resonates with what I was dreaming of and looking for. And so you guys really are huge expanders for me. And so I'm just gonna, I'm going to end on that gushy note because I just love you. I have so much gratitude for you guys. Truly, truly, love truly. you, babe. You made our day. This was a fucking blast. I can't wait to share with our community. They're yeah. going to be like, they're going like, huh? to love this shit. They will <laughs> love it. They'll love it. Well, I will, when you guys write books and go on tour and whatever else the fuck you're going to do, I mean, come back anytime, please. I would love to have you. Obviously. <laughs> I love you so much. We love you so much. Bye, honey. Hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least, shaken things up in a productive way. Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.